This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and it's me, Deb Wolf. So I usually do my show in the mornings, but I have studio time in the afternoon today, so I should be wide awake and ready to go, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed like your pets, ready to go to a party. And um, I did want to touch on the news just briefly. There were two things I wanted to, to just note. You know, there was this big manhunt in Maine, and I was watching it recently, and I didn't see any tracking dogs. None. No search dogs, no tracking dogs. Seemed a little strange to me. So that's something I noticed, because I know they have tracking dogs out there, lots of them for hunting and for police work and for conservation. And why weren't they employed? That was confusing to me, because the search continued for a very long time. So that was one thing I noticed in the news. And the other thing, watching the news of the Middle East, there's a town called Shterot in Israel. Actually, I've been there. But what I noticed was it was only really early in the conflict, really early. They had just evacuated the town and they were reporting on how, you know, there weren't 40,000 people there anymore. There was more like 4,000 and most of the people had left. And while they were talking about it, an air raid siren went off and they were just showing like an empty street. And you saw that there were some abandoned pets and they were already savvy to the sirens. They already ran and ducked for cover as soon as you heard the picking up of the air raid siren. And I thought, oh my God, that was fast. I mean, on the one hand, it's so, so sad. It's so awful. On the other hand, it just shows you the pets that don't run, the pets that don't seek cover are going to pay the price. So it really it really shows you how clever these animals are, how uh, able to adapt and how quickly they are able to adapt, but how incredibly sad. So those are two things an animal expert notices while watching the news that you probably don't notice otherwise. I know dogs have been used in the military for a long time. They've been in battles as scouts and sentries and trackers And um, German Shepherds, Dutch Shepherds, Belgian Malinois, those are the most common. But all kinds of dogs are used in service. Mastiffs and Dobermans and all kinds of tracking dogs with good noses. So I wish them all the best in this next endeavor. And the trainers too. All right, so we're going to go back to the show and talk about, well, okay, so here's, here's the thing about names. Sometimes people give their pets names that are opposite or ironic. You know, like you see the little four-pound poodle and its name is Killer. Or you see (laughs) Big Giant Dog and its name is Babe. You know, sometimes they're not exactly fitting. But other times, as a dog trainer, cat trainer, when you see on your calendar a dog or cat show up in your appointment book and the name of the pet in quotes is Vicious, you take a second. <laughs> you pack your bag a little better. Maybe add some hockey gloves into the bag if we're talking about a pet cat. So I was watching TV, just, you know, a little a little bit of junk TV, TLC show. And 
this, you know, it's a love struck couple from across the world, but she's packing up to go see her, her uh, fiance would be fiance. And she's saying goodbye to her cat. And the cat is named vicious. And the cat is a serval cat. And in this case, it's not ironic. People do not get a serval cat. Don't do it. It's, it's not, it, this is, <laughs> this is a descriptive name, vicious. These cats are meant for wildlife. They're not domestic and they're not small and they're not tame and they don't want to live in your apartment. All right. So some cities have actually banned them because they're able to bring down small dogs and other livestock and just do real damage like a small bobcat. You know what? Because that's what they are in Africa. All right, everybody said, so don't go with that latest trend. You can get a cat that looks a lot like that, but actually has the personality of a pet that's been domesticated for thousands of years. Much better choice. All right, everyone, we're going to go to break and come back. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Double. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. And I've had a few questions come in lately. So I kind of want to teach you all. The dog trainer in me wants to teach you all not to keep sending me your email questions. So you'll start to send me your voice clip questions, but I can't resist a good question. So I'm going to answer them anyway. But I do want to suggest if you want to just speak your question or your comment, We'd love to play it on air and have me respond to it. Deb at PetLifeRadio.com. Just use your cell phone, record a little voice message, send it off to us. My cat doesn't like my dog. Whatever it is, whatever problem you got or question or query that has to do with animals, let me know. Deb at PetLifeRadio.com. And uh, I'll address it for sure. Especially if you have something with a sense of humor. If you've got an example of a dog or cat showing a sense of humor, the other day, I decided to treat my old man, my blue healer, who's really ancient now, elderly, you know, a little bit blind, a little bit deaf, a little bit daughtery, a little bit wonky on his legs, sometimes falls over doing nothing, just slips, that kind of a dog, but a trooper, just perfectly good-natured, happy-go-lucky old man. Anyway, I decided, I was looking down at him and I thought, you know, it's been a long since I've, since I've kind of pestered you the way I used to when you were young. I thought, I wonder if you'd like that. So I started to like pinch his ears and pinch his tail and, you know, do the things I used to do to bug him, pull his tail a little bit playfully. And he got so excited. He started sneezing and he started shaking his head and he 
and he and he almost mock nipped me back on my sleeve and he started raising his paw and then he jumped up on two legs he got totally playful he was almost dancing the old man and um it just shows that some dogs have a sense of humor he was so amused by this he was smiling and chuffing that's like what dogs do when they laugh they make a sort of heavy breathing kind of a huff 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 sound that we call chuffing and that's like a dog giggling he was doing all that showing off his sense of humor even in his old age so i strongly suggest you elicit the sense of humor in your pets and let me know how that goes now people do think that cats enjoy the uh the force of gravity for the sense of humor of it you know they like to knock stuff off and then watch you react and and that's an argument i do <laughs> there is some merit there <laughs> cats and gravity so that is possible all right so now i'm going to get to some of your questions we had a question from a lady who's a dental hygienist she didn't tell me her name but that's okay dental hygienist and she says she's a little bit persnickety about her home and the cleanliness of her home. And the other day she should have known better, but anyway, she came home and one of her carpets was completely destroyed by one of her dogs, ate the entire carpet and she doesn't know why. So we went back and forth in email a bit and I said, has anything changed? Are routines any different? Were there workmen there? Did anything go on? But anyway, then after long last, toward the end of the, the conversation back and forth, I asked her, Okay, so this dog that you call puppy that is actually a dog that you've had for quite a while, never done this before. Was the carpet different in any way? Was it stained? She said, well, I did give both dogs a meat bone, a smoky meat bone the night before, and one dog took it away to his bed, but the other dog chewed it on the carpet. Bingo, bingo, people. So the drippings and the fat and the flavor and all that juicy goodness from the bone went into the carpet which may or may not have been a natural weave carpet anyway, may have been a sort of food to some dogs, you know, grass carpet, something like that. But at any rate, that flavor was irresistible. And the dog just finished the bone, including the gravy. Problem solved. So will this dog do that again to other carpets? Not likely. Will the dog do it if food drippings are dripped on carpets? Very likely. So uh, make sure you clean up after and give your dog the bones somewhere else because you don't want them ingesting those non-natural fibers and getting them all tangled up in their bowels and having some $2,000, $3,000 surgery. So that's my advice to the dental hygienist. I don't think you have a behavior problem. I don't think it's the start of a behavior problem, which is what you're asking. But your dog's part lab and they love food and that was food. That rug with drippings on it is now considered food. So it was it was a no-brainer that that dog was going to eat that. And he didn't eat the whole carpet, probably just the juicy parts. Okay, so we're going to go to break and come back and solve another pet problem you all sent in to me. Thank you so much for sending them. Stay tuned on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. 
purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. You're listening to Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And this one, this one here, the most common problem I get when I take live callers. Yes, it is. The most common problem I get, especially when it comes to cats, but even I would say dogs and cats together, it's still it. Why won't my cat use the litter box? Okay, so this is a variation on that one. I'm not going to go through my usual speech about get enough litter boxes, one per every cat and one extra, try different litters, make sure it's in a quiet, undisturbed space. All that you already know because you've been listening to the show. But what we got here is Jenny asking about a litter. So she has a perfectly well-behaved house cat that uses the litter box. And her well-behaved house cat had a cross-the-tracks romance with a tomcat in a barn. Of course, of course she would. They like the bad boys, those house kitties. Came back pregnant, had the litter under her bed. Yeah, very nice, lovely. And now they're being house trained, or she's trying to get them litter trained. But she says they seem to want to play with it more than use it. And I noticed for the from the photo she sent that she has the pellet style of litter. So when working with cats that have never, kittens that have never uh, used litter before, you might want to try a couple of different styles to see which they prefer. And in fact, it's good that you're using the one, you're giving some options that are the ones the mother prefers. Because the mother is going to be responsible for teaching them this. It's very hard when you don't have the mother. Because you have to actually put the kitten in the litter box and show show the kitten what to do. And then after they've master soiled, you have to cover it up and show them how to do that. And it takes, takes some effort and timing. And the kitten often looks at you like you're nuts. But their mother can teach them all this very easily. They'll jump right in there following her. And then she goes to the washroom. And then they go to the washroom. She covers hers. They cover theirs. And the, then it's taught. But unfortunately, in the picture, I can see that they have a lot of other desirable places to go. So we need to limit their access to carpet, soft surfaces, places you don't want them to go. Limit that. Make it so they, they almost have no choice. There's a small area where there's food and, and water and a place to sleep. And then quite a lot of litter choices. So that's a good way to go. And if you can use a baby gate so mom can jump in and out and mom's only litter boxes are in there with them, you're going to stage that for success. Every time she wants to go to the bathroom, she can jump and do her thing. They're going to follow her. They're going to copy her and you're going to have it all sorted, Jenny, in no time. So thank you so much for listening to the show, Jenny, and for sending me your query about training some kittens how to use the litter box. This is critical because it's, the reason, the number one reason cats are surrendered to shelters is because they're not using the litter box. And oftentimes it's a medical thing, but sometimes it's a behavioral thing. The stinky poop that isn't covered in the litter box can sometimes drive people crazy and make them abandon a cat. And that's the skill that Jenny's mama cat is teaching these kittens right now. Cover the poop, <laughs> cover the poop, cover the poop, cover the poop. 
Now, if Jenny's walking by and notices one of these kittens in there playing around, chances are they're covering the poop, not necessarily playing. But if she sees one of these kittens do appear a poop in the litter and it's not covering the poop and mama's nowhere to be seen, she can take the little cat litter shovel and gently cover it and let them help or watch. And you'll be assisting mom in the lesson. Okay, so that's our second email question today. I have one more in the can for the next show I do, but I really hope you'll send them to Deb at PetLifeRadio.com because it's way more interesting to listen to you describe your naughty dog and your naughty cat for all of us to listen to on the air. So, okay, I've got a question for you. With farm animals, sometimes at Camp Good Dog, my two little pygmy goats don't want to come in. One of them's pretty well behaved. She was born here. Her name's Minnie Marshmallow, and she'll pretty much just this do, she anticipates what you need and goes for it. But the other one, the black goat of the family, she is black goat. Uh, her name's Daphne. So it's Minnie and Daphne. Daphne doesn't always listen. And Daphne is like a gazelle. She can get in and out of anywhere. She can fly. And giving her dewormer, trimming her nails is always like a two, three person job. Whereas Minnie Marshmallow, it's one person job. And they're roughly the same size. So it gives you the idea of the different personalities. But lately... I keep getting these texts from my dog kennel staff. What do I do? The black goat won't listen. The black goat won't come. The black goat this, the black goat that. And I have to just say to them, well, take a little bit of food, some bribery item. It can be a little bit of hay or plants that you've picked, or it can be some of their actual food. And just shake it in a dish and show her you have it. And she'll follow you to the end of the earth with that. And they're always surprised that they're like, okay, I'll try it. And then later I get, yay, it worked with exclamation mark. Of course it worked. They're goats. <laughs> they, they will follow the food, the chickens too. Don't spend your time chasing after them or trying to get behind them or trying to scare them back in. That's not going to work. You just need to entice them. So I was thinking about that. And I started thinking like, is it really that we're tricking them? I don't think so. Goats are very, very smart. We're not tricking them at all. They're negotiating. And that goat has won the negotiation. She's figured out if she hangs back, somebody will offer something better. So now it's become kind of chronic. She hangs back all the time waiting to see, got something for me? And, and of course they do. So it's worked out. The negotiation is complete. She was just negotiating better terms for coming up to the barn at the end of the day. <laughs> and, and now she's getting carrots and all sorts. So success. Goats are smart, everybody. Don't let them outsmart you if they're in your life, because they will. So I want to talk about dog breeds, as I often do, just to close out today's show. You know, they are all different. I talked a little bit about how they, you know, this lady had two dogs, and one of her dogs just took the bone away to its nice area um, and ate it and didn't destroy anything. And the other dog, a lab, part lab, took the bone and then all the gravy strippings and everything didn't move. As soon as it received the bone, ate it right there because it wasn't going to waste any time eating and then ate it right down to the bone and then ate what the gravy off the carpet. Okay, that's typical lab. Not all labs are like that, but it's pretty typical. So sometimes when you get a dog that's a retriever, it's going to be very food focused. It's going to be nose scent focused. It's kind of a dog that's trained not to kill things. It's trained to catch things or scurry or make things scurry or make things fly or make things visible or help you find things. So then you can kill it and it will bring this thing back to you unharmed. 
So that's a lot of interfering with the natural wolf instinct of go kill it, go eat it, right? That's a lot of interfering. So so then they become more scavenger-like, which is also a wolf trait. I mean, if you find somebody else's kill, you eat it, you know? If you find something yummy like a blackberry bush, you eat them. So yeah, they're scavengers too. And so when when you get a lab, you get a dog that's that's very good at smelling. So it finds things and will want to eat them smell that gravy right inside the carpet and want to eat it. And you get the idea that it's not going to hunt for anything. So all of its diet has to be from things it finds. So if it finds gravy on a carpet, it's going to eat it. So these are breed traits that are pretty predominant. And some, I, I mean, an easy example, you know, yes, you could train a lab to sit dutifully and not touch his food till you tell him. And you could do all this kind of stuff to counterbalance that trait, train him to only accept it from people he knows so he's not a garbage hound, train him to come when called or leave it on command. So he's not getting things he shouldn't. But it's the kind of thing you have to think about when you have a lab or a golden retriever or any kind of retriever or spaniel, and you want to go for walks somewhere. And there's other things you have to think about if you have a different kind of dog. Like if you have a husky, you have to think at all times, will he take off if he sees prey? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. So <laughs> how do you counteract that? Every breed comes with a little bit of Genetic packaging that's hard to resist. It's very hard for a golden retriever to resist swimming. It's very hard for a husky to resist a good long run. You know, some things are just, that's their joy. That's their bliss. That's their skill set. And so recently I was thinking about that because I had like a painful jaw. So one side of my face was really sore. Not, not for very long, just for a few days. Saw the dentist and I was fussy. And I came home and of course my dogs, you know, they all come to the door and waggy, 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 waggy. Some of them are sort of, can we jump up? Can we jump up? You know, and I'm like, no, body language, no, stay down, petting them down. And all <laughs> the different breeds, because I, I have a kennel and I take care of dogs. So there's different breeds here. And I had to go let them out, let them in, feed them. And, they did, and I noticed as the time, you know, I was healing those couple days, I noticed who figured it out and who didn't. So the standard poodles, and there was one Doberman and a golden doodle all figured out very quickly. I think within minutes that it was just one side of my face that was sensitive. They could do the same kind of greeting and roughhousing and do whatever on the right. But if they approached me on the left, they should just take it easy. Figured it out right away without me even saying anything. Okay, I told you about my blue healer already. He still hasn't figured it out. He tried to head bash me on the left side because there was all this room. No dogs room. <laughs> all the smart dogs. Well, I shouldn't. He's just not as nuanced as these poodles and these retrievers. They're very, very sensitive. And they're young and they're bright and they're taking in all the information. He doesn't see that well anymore or hear that well anymore. So I, I'm maybe unfairly judging him. But he really was like a bull in a china shop. And I had to remind him every day, off, gentle, gentle. I didn't have to remind any of the others anymore. And when I went down to the kennel and I was dealing with a couple of golden retrievers, they, at first they were all jumpy, jumpy. But as soon as I praised them on the right, they just switched to the right for the rest of that day. No problem at all. <laughs> so it's really interesting how dogs learn different things and what they're set up to learn. You know, a border collie or a blue healer, a young one that can see and hear, can receive visual cues from me from a couple of fields away. In fact, I used to catch him looking at me when he was down in the field with a walker, looking with a handler, looking up at me through about two and a half acres through the window 
at my office when I'm sitting here on the computer doing a radio show or whatever. And I would look down and I would see him trying to make eye contact with me from way down there to see if I had a visual signal to give him some command, you know, like if I threw my arm in a certain direction, he'd take off in that direction. And the same with the blue healer I had before, always watching me from a distance, like, you got any commands? Because I can receive from here. Whereas my poodles would never even look. The only thing they'd look at is something like a great blue heron to chase it. That's all. Bird dogs all the way. Not considering any kind of visual cue from long distance. They're waiting for me to talk to them. And um, and there's other things that go with breeds. But unfortunately, I've run out of time. Now, I guess I didn't hope to cover every breed. And I will be back next week. So maybe next week I'll talk about a couple of dog breeds you don't expect to hear about on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Until then, from me, Deb Wolf, and Pet Life Radio and Animal Party, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.